welcome back to a special summer episode of the Paterno Fellows podcast, the podcast made by Paterno Fellows for Paterno Fellows. I'm your host, Kate Howarth, and I hope you are all having a wonderful summer so far. Our guest today is a recent graduate, Paterno Fellow, and international student equity advocate, Isha Patak, on her work to improve the Penn State experience for international students, particularly those pursuing a major in economics. As a quick disclaimer, any opinions discussed or expressed in this episode do not represent the thoughts or beliefs of the Paterno Fellows podcast, the Paterno Fellows program, the College of the Liberal Arts, or Penn State. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hi, Isha. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. So just to get us started, could you give us some background on who you are for our listeners and you know, what year are you, majors, minors, any involvement with organizations? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. Um, for those listening, my name is Isha Patak, and I'm actually a recent graduate from Penn State. Um, I studied economics and political science and also graduated with a minor in sociology. I came to the States in 2018 from Mumbai, India, actually, to pursue my education. And after that I sort of put a lot of my energy into getting involved on campus. So one of the organizations I was a part of was my dance team, Ambitions. And I was also involved heavily with my business fraternity, Delta Sigma Pi. Um, So those were the two main organizations I was part of, but I also helped out with a few research labs on campus, including the Leadership Development Center that was sponsored by Deloitte. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. That's super cool. I, I I think I've seen your dance group before perform before, and they are incredible. Really? Um, but the, the main thing we're talking about today is, you know, the economics major. So which was one of the degrees you graduated with. And so what was the problem with it before? Sure, of course. Well, I mean, it gets a little technical, so bear with me for a little bit. But um, how it works is when I came into the country in 2018, I came in on what's known as a student visa, which is a F1 visa. So when you come into the States on an F1 visa, you come in with four years of educational tenure and then one year of OPT. So the OPT period after you graduate is essentially is essentially the time period in which students can pursue a job that they have or use that time to find employment opportunities within the United States. Now, what becomes critical in this time period is that most, more often than not, students use that one additional year after graduation to apply for one of the most competitive visas in the United States, which is the H-1B visa. Now, the H-1B visa is a work visa. And the reason why it's so competitive is because every year, only 20% of individuals that apply for it actually get it. So that's two in 10 international students that you know at Penn State would actually have a shot at getting that visa because it is drawn from a lottery. Um, So in applying for that visa, every year you get one opportunity to do so. When students have one additional year of OPT, it means that sometimes that one shot at applying isn't enough to get that fair chance at winning the H-1B. And so what helps in this scenario is having what's called a STEM extension. So what a STEM extension does is it affords students 24 extra months, which is two additional years on top of their OPT, meaning that now they have three years instead of one after graduation to apply for the H-1B and then get a fair shot at maybe winning the lottery. So it increases their probability of um, getting the work visa. Now, where the economics major comes into this entire 
equation is the following, right? You only have access to your STEM extension if you graduate with a degree that the government considers as a STEM major. Now, what the U.S. government has done is that they've released a list of subjects that vary from engineering, computer science, math, so on and so forth, that have specific degree codes that count as a STEM major. So if you graduate with that degree code, then you get the STEM extension and you're eligible to stay for two additional years on top of the OPT that you have. So what was interesting with economics is that if you graduated with a degree in economics from most schools across the United States, it counted for a STEM extension. But the reason that it didn't count as a STEM extension if from Penn State was because the degree codes didn't align. So initially, the degree code for economics at Penn State was 45.0601, but the code needed for a STEM extension was 45.0603. So what that meant was that students were graduating with technical backgrounds in economics, but they weren't getting the recognition that they needed to therefore be eligible for that STEM extension, which is critical in not only finding employment, but also continuing employment in the United States. And so my initiative and my advocacy was focused on pushing for that degree code to change so that more individuals that are studying economics have a fair shot at employment in the States. Wow. Yeah, that's a huge difference. Um, So for those of us who might not be aware, could you explain what OPT stands for potentially? Yes. So the OPT is basically the um, optional practical training period. So the OPT or the optional practical practical training period is where students can basically just use those 12 months after they graduate to accumulate work experience or just get employment in the United States. Gotcha. Okay. And then just because I'm, I'm not aware of it, yeah. do you happen to know, I, I'm just asking a bunch of questions because I, you know, I'm lucky enough that I, it hasn't had yeah. happened to me, but for the lottery for getting um, the mm-hmm. visa that you need to stay in the United States. How does that selection process work and like what kind of criteria do they look at? Sure. So as far as I'm aware, the H-1B lottery is it's it's a lottery. So you put your name in um, and more often than not. OK, let me b- backtrack a little bit, actually. Um, how it works is once you. So you can only enter the lottery if you have a job in the United States. The reason for that is that in order to enter the lottery successfully, you need a company that sponsors you. So that sponsorship from a company basically adds credibility to your entry in the lottery and says this individual can productively contribute to the economy. Therefore, they deserve a shot at winning, getting access to this work visa that gives them three more or six more years in the States. Right. Um, And so how it works is you find employment. The company that you're employed at then um, puts your name in the lottery for you. So they sponsor you and push your name through. And then once you're in the lottery, though, it's all up to the government and it's complete, like it's all by chance. So there's no way to predict whether or not you're going to get the lottery. There's a few criteria that you need to enter the lottery. That being you have, like I mentioned, you have an employer, you've graduated, um, you have a bachelor's in a specific area that you're focusing on. And, um, if you have a STEM extension, then you need to make sure that that degree code aligns with what the government releases. But once you have those three things and your employer pushes for it, there's nothing you can do. You just wait. Um, so it is kind of scary and daunting. 
happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying. Um, yeah, not to mention just that's a whole other can of worms in the U.S. immigration system where it just is a whole thing. Um, no. Uh, so kind of shifting back to to your approach and how you then like went about addressing this issue specifically at Penn State. So when did you first notice um, that this was a problem? Yeah, of course. Well, I think for me, the realization hit last spring. So the spring of my junior year. Um, And it's kind of when I realized that So, okay, my cousin actually went to school in the United States as well, and he also graduated with a degree in economics. But when I spoke to him about his visa processes after college, he mentioned that his degree did count for STEM. Um, I also had another friend of mine who graduated from an Ivy League school who double majored in economics and English, and she still had access to the STEM extension because of her economics degree. And so when I recognized this, I saw a disparity within Penn State's system um, because I knew that I was taking a lot of technical classes and I'm also I was also in Schreier and my thesis was focused on economics, meaning that I had a lot of coding and math components to my thesis. So I was doing all the technical work, but I just didn't think that my degree code was reflecting that, which is why in the summer of last year, actually towards the end of it, around July or August is when I actually started pushing to have conversations with different uh, with different offices at Penn State. And I reached out to different people to make sure that we were addressing this issue in the correct way. Another crucial moment that I think contributed greatly to when I noticed the issue of um, this STEM extension was I had a lot of friends in the economics department that were also international students that had majors in economics, and they were double majoring with physics or computer science, not because they enjoyed it, but because they wanted the STEM extension. And so I really felt for them because I saw these individuals who were incredibly passionate about economics, but weren't able to just focus on a field that they were interested in because they wanted the STEM extension. And so that sort of personal relationship with my peers is also what made me recognize this gap, but also motivated me to push for change even more. Yeah, that's that's great. Congrats on graduating, by the way. That's oh, thank you. An awesome achievement. <laughs> thank you. Um, so then, you know, once you noticed that there was an issue, how did you, you know, begin your approach to combating the problem? You know, what plan did, did you ha- come up with a plan? You know, what was the the general like, move? you know, you were like, this is a problem. How do I move forward? What did that look like? Right. right. So I think that when I first recognized the problem, I realized that it wouldn't be enough to just have conversations. So I knew very early on that conversations were just one part of the problem. But I think that the second part of the issue that I wanted to discuss was bringing more light to international student equity on campus. Um, I especially think that that was important because as I, like I mentioned, I'm from India. And so as a woman of color, And also as an international student, it placed me in this weird intersection of identities that I hadn't seen addressed before, which was of international students and people of color. Um, I think there's a lot of great opportunities for um, 
people of color on campus that are evolving constantly and are catering to their needs. And I think that those spaces are so, so, so important. But I wasn't able to find spaces that addressed my issues as a woman of color, but also an international student. So once I recognized that that was sort of central to my thesis, if you will, of advocacy, um, my approach was to take that mindset into every conversation that I had. So the first thing I did was I reached out to the different offices we had. So I reached out to DISA, which is the International Student Advising Office, um, for those of you who aren't familiar. Um, And DISA is sort of responsible for educating students about the visa process, educating them about um, the technicalities that lie behind their employment when they're at Penn State and also after they graduate. So I spoke to DISA. I also spoke to the Global Studies Office. Um, I additionally then went ahead and sent out emails to the Dean of Liberal Arts, um, who is Dean Clarence Lang. And I also reached out to Dean Mather in Stryer. Um, Eventually, I was also able to have conversations with Dean Page, who is the Associate Dean at Liberal Arts. Um, And so... I focused on two main offices and then the two colleges that I was most involved with, which was Shire and Liberal Arts. Yeah, that sounds like a a great start. And there are a lot of really helpful people. I recently spoke with Dean Mather and he's just great. Um, Yeah. And then, okay, so what you kind of explained, you know, the resources at Penn State you utilized, you like went to different colleges and different people who are at the head of those colleges Um, Did you like what obstacles did you encounter when you were working to change this distinction? Yeah, of course. Well, I think that this question also leads me into the secondary part of my plan that I didn't necessarily consider when I started this entire journey, which was utilizing current student resources through UPUA. So I think this answer kind of would tack on on that as well. But essentially, I think the main issue I faced was I directly went to the big fish. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I, by myself, decided to take an approach where I was talking to people that were very high up administratively. And while that was good for having initial conversations, that also meant that more often than not, people told me no. Um, When I spoke to the economics department or global studies or DISA, a lot of their answers were, I'm sorry, but the code can't be changed because if it was placed If it was in place to begin with, then there must be a reason for it. Um, The second argument that I was faced with was that the master's in economics from Penn State classifies as STEM. And so if you want the STEM extension, you can pursue a master's. The issue with that debate, though, is that not every student has the financial ability to pursue a master's, and also not everyone wants to. A lot of people like myself want to start working after college, and so I didn't want to pursue a master's and put off a year of working. And so the main issues were that I faced a lot of no's and that a lot of individuals told me that I could just pursue a master's instead. So when the no's were consistent in early September, I decided to reach out to UPUA um, through my friend Dan Risser, who's in my business organization. And he got me in contact with the president of UPUA at the time, who also graduated this past spring. Her name was Erin Bose. Um, She's great. And I think that with UPUA and through 
her as well, um, I saw a monumental shift in my approach only because now I had people that were so successful at navigating a system that was as huge as Penn State. Um, with their help, I was able to reach out to the right offices, um, get in contact with the provost, and I was also able to um, have more effective conversations with Dean Page and Dean Mather. UPUA was able to help me structure my advocacy also because we uh, started creating um i'll call them student packets to make other people more aware of the issue at hand and make it more digestible for people to understand um and so once upua sort of joined in on my efforts i was able to have more successful conversations um which then led to more successes so once that sort of got taken care of um I completely attribute the success also to Dean Page and Dean Mather, who were able to push on things on the more administrative side of things. And so once they became more aware of this issue, um, they were able to coordinate movement um, with the Bursar office and also the economics department to push for the degree code to change, which is when eventually in January, I heard back that the code had changed and it was probably the most exciting thing I'd heard ever (laughs) at Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. That's just, it's so great to like hear that something you worked so hard towards like paid off. Yeah, it was like a whole year and it was such a suspense because I didn't know if they'd say yes eventually because I was met with so many no's, but it was very rewarding, I think. So Yeah, that's awesome. And it's also crazy to me that they were like, oh, the master's of science, like it's a master's of science. So you could just go get that, but they aren't categorizing right. the bachelor's the same way. That's just, that's weird right. to me. Right. But I also think that it, it highlights something that's, that made me recognize that the degree code difference wasn't necessarily a product of someone actively sitting in office and saying, no, econ shouldn't be this degree code. I think it was just a systemic inequality. Like it was just systemic. Nobody thought about it enough. And that's why we needed people to know more about it and talk more about it. Because once they did have those conversations, there was no reason for them to say that econ wasn't technical at the undergraduate level, because it is. Um, and I think that that sort of changed the whole game. So, Yeah. What advice would you have for other students who see, you know, these issues at Penn State and like not even specifically international students, but just students in general who see different issues with the way things are currently done and who are trying to to make a change? Like what recommendations would you have for them? Yeah, um, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Here's my advice. I think that a lot of the times students get very discouraged by I mean you hear a lot of the time right like oh like you're a student you're at the bottom of the food chain and any like educational bureaucracy you're like you're never gonna nobody's gonna listen to what you have to say you push very hard for what you want which is true but I think that a lot of the times students get discouraged by this idea that we're at like the bottom of the food chain I hate that analogy um but I my biggest advice would be to not believe that or buy into that idea. Um, If anything, I think that the more you recognize that there are spaces in which you can actively contribute meaningfully, the more you realize that people actually want to listen to you. So 
are there inequalities at Penn State, like every other educational bureaucracy? Yes. Um, is it difficult for students to maybe find the right resources sometimes? Yes. But is it impossible? No. And so my advice would be to, number one, find a space where you think you can contribute meaningfully. Don't be afraid to take that step in advocacy if you're really passionate about it. And the biggest piece of advice would be never to take no for an answer. <laughs> I think that the biggest reason why this entire stem extension like push for the stem extension was like successful was because i heard no nine times out of ten my fall semester um with this entire project and if i hadn't pushed for it i wouldn't be sitting here today with two more years under my belt and so i think that that's the biggest part of advocacy is being okay with being a little straightforward and pushy with it yeah, that's really great advice. You know, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. And then, so just, you know, as a final question, reflecting on this whole process and like all you have done to help advance equity for international students, especially within the economics major, you know, is there still more to do for international students? And, you know, what else do you see that could be done to better the experience of international students at Penn State? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, there's so much more left to do. I this is, I think this is just the beginning. Um, and there's a lot more spaces in which I think that there can be more inclusivity for international students and just people of color in general. Um, yeah. Are, is it like an upward battle? Yes, because I know that it's hard to bring change in big institutions, but I think the most important things that, thing that we can do for international students is to create more awareness of what their processes look like. I think it's very important to recognize that finding a job for international students is so much harder than if you were a citizen. Finding any sort of, like, whether it's internships or full-time, right, it's a whole different process than up with visa work once you come to the country is like a whole different process and so those nuances sometimes get very hard to deal with um and i just wish i had someone from like a student perspective to communicate with when i was a freshman because there's a lot of freshmen coming in that don't know anything about how the visa process works and that's okay and they shouldn't need to deal with that alone so i think that there needs to be more work that's done to provide more inclusive environments where international students feel have the space to share those difficulties and those um, struggles. And I also just think that having more of an awareness across campus would change things so much more from like a student life perspective, but also like administratively, like think about it, right? If you had more people aware of the fact that we have a different employment process, our education would be very different. So one thing I can think about, one example I can think about, for instance, is I know that everyone has to take English 202D, right? Like most people I've talked to have a two, 202 in some capacity, right? Yeah, most people, something 202. Exactly. Like most people have taken it. So English 202D in specific is for smaller business majors. And it's also what I took briefly um, to basically like it teaches you about like resume building and how to apply for a job and networking and all of that good stuff, which is great, right? But when I was sitting in that class, a lot of the advice I got was about applying on Indeed or having certain like conversations and applying in XYZ ways, right? But I realized that the way I applied for my job was completely different as an international student. Like so much of 
emphasis is placed on just applying through online portals or through Lion Path, not Lion Path, through like uh, Nittany Lion Careers, which is effective, yes. But for international stu- students, your chances increase incredibly if you know how to network. And that is more central to our process, I think. Um, and don't quote me on this because I'm not like an advisor, but in my <laughs> and with the people that I've interacted with, having strong relationships with the people that you're uh, like, trying to interview for is so much more important than just getting your resume in the pile. Because if we apply online, chances are ticking that box of we need sponsorship kicks us out of the running. And so having classes that are more catered to our experiences are so much more important, um, which wouldn't be possible unless more people talk about these sort of, not even inequities, just differences in experiences that we face. So I think that there's a lot of work to be done, but I do think that there's definitely a lot of hope because Penn State was so receptive to my advocacy. And so I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, even just this conversation has been incredibly educational for me in terms of just, you know, learning about the experiences and the other things that international students need to go through. And I think that's your entire point is the, you know, and just people learning more about it and being more, more aware, which is crazy because I didn't realize how deep it went, but Yeah. Well, congratulations again on graduating and on everything you've accomplished here at Penn State. Um, It's been such a pleasure talking with you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. No, yeah. Thank you so much as well. And I'm so grateful that you were able to give me this opportunity to talk more about international student equity. And I think it's really important. So I'm excited to see how Penn State shapes up after I graduate. Yeah, Yeah. it's super important. Okay. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. And thank you listeners for joining us on this special summer bonus episode of the Paterno Fellows podcast. Keep an eye out in the fall for new episodes of the show wherever you get access. See you then.